If you will, this morning, turn with me and the Word of God to Psalm 57.2. We will hear our text this morning. Maybe just saying that is probably familiar to a lot of you. You've heard me quote it many times, Lord willing, as the Lord is pleased to allow us to delve into it this morning. It'll be our text. Psalm 57.2. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. Let us pray. O Lord, how faithful Thou art, how true and faithful Thou art to Thy people. O Lord, may You give us an understanding this morning that You are our Lord who performs all things for us. O Lord, may You bring us in the recess of our mind and our thoughts to try those words, to see if indeed they are true in our soul. Lord, if You have always been faithful, Lord, reveal that you have always been faithful. Reveal to us this day that you have performed all things for us. And Lord, may thy praise be upon our lips, our thanksgiving be in our hearts. And may you now, Lord, be glorified and lifted up. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What we have in our text this morning, the words of David, we have living faith. We just sang that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And once again in David's life, as we've been talking a lot about David lately, but once again the Lord in His faithfulness causes a living cry that shows life, life in the soul. For a child of God to cry out to the Lord shows the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. That what He has begun, He will finish. This morning, as we look at this psalm, I want to focus first about why David prayed these words. I want to look at that first. I want you to look at the, the introduction to this psalm, to the chief musician, Altasketh. That word means destroy not. David cried out to the Lord, don't destroy me, Lord. I know it's of thy mercies every day that we are not consumed cried out to his Lord not to destroy him. He had thoughts of unbelief. He had thoughts of fear. Because in this time in David's life, we're told it's when he fled from Saul in the cave. Now that was a very trying time in David's life. In fact, we're going to go there first as way of introduction. If you'll turn with me over to 1 Samuel 24. I want to read the first 12 verses of 1 Samuel 24 to give us an understanding of what David was going through and then later the Holy Spirit recalling to David's mind as he sat and penned these words of this psalm you know sometimes we ask I wonder what's going through that person's mind when this great event is taken on well we get to find that out today so in 1 Samuel 24 this was you know we know that Saul was always pursuing David and Saul was a picture. David's always typified as Christ in the Old Testament. And, and, they, and Saul is typical of our enemies. They're, they're relentless. They're always coming after us. They're always pursuing. As the devil was to Jesus, taking him up into the mountain to be tempted. And when the Lord dismissed him, he went away for a season. And that's the way it is in our life. We have our enemies come before us. And then look, when the Lord cast them away and he sets us in a place to see him, 
Then they're dispelled. They're gone. They're put under his feet. And we see him triumphant there. But then the enemy will come back later. Which shows and the Lord reveals to us our dependence upon the Lord to live every day by his grace. And every day by the new mercies that we just sang about. Those new mercies every day that the Lord daily benefits that he loads us with. So Saul had been going after David. And the Lord sent in his faithful providence a messenger to Saul telling him that the Philistines had invaded. So Saul went back and he left off chasing after David. Well, now we're told, and it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul once again in his zeal and anger to destroy David then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel, and he went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheepcoats by the way where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. Saul went in to get relief from the day. Saul went in to, to lay down or to rest in this cave. And we're not told here in the passage if the 3,000 men were with him. They were either outside the cave or some of them were in the cave with him. But there were other people in the cave, unbeknownst to Saul. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So here we have in front of us David and his men, which were 300, are back in the back of this cave. And when they're back in the cave, there's no way out of it. There's only one way out, and that's the mouth of the cave. And his enemy now has hemmed him in. So David is now hemmed in. And his enemy is in the mouth of the cave. So in David's mind now, what's going on in David's mind? What, what is this fearful? This is what happens in the child of God's life when the enemy surrounds him and we feel like we have nowhere else that we can go. But there is somewhere. And that's what our psalm tells us this morning, that the Lord's presence in us causes us, that living faith causes us to cry out to the Lord for mercy. To cry out for the Lord for salvation. To cry out to the Lord for, for security and safety. So David and his 300 men are in the back of the cave. Saul and his 3,000 now are in the front of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, and if you don't think it's tough for David now, he's back there with his 300 men. He's already got these temptations in his mind to fear. And now here comes another temptation. And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. So they looked at the promise that God gave David, that David would always be preserved. And they knew that about their king, which David was not a king at this point, but he was there, the one they followed. And they said to him, God has delivered Saul into your hands, which was not true. It was not true. Never, never in the scripture will you find that David was told that he would destroy Saul. But it was a temptation. David had ran his entire life now up to this point. Saul was after him and Saul was after him. And now there's the enemy in front of him to take his own hands and slay that enemy so that that enemy cannot pursue him anymore. But the Lord had already revealed to David that Saul was the Lord's anointed. And that vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. 
Let's see what happens. So they said to him, I, deliver thy, uh, I will deliver thy hand into my hand, that thou mayest do to him as it seemed good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. So Saul was in sleep or he was resting. David snuck up there and cut off a piece of his robe. You say, well, that's silly. Why would he do such a thing? But look at verse 5. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him, his conscience. What have I done? I've raised my hand against the Lord's anointed. I don't. <laughs> so he said, because he had cut off Saul's skirt. So David, the Holy Spirit, brings to conviction to David. And David has conviction for what he had done. He had listened to the peer pressure. He had listened to those around him. And said, take matters into your own hands. So David's, I'm not going to slay him, but I am going to cut off his robe. And he said unto his men, listen to what he said, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The Lord must forbid me to do this. He is my master. He is, this is the rightful place that I've been given in this life. And it's not right for me to rise up and take something that the Lord hasn't given me. Boy, does that tell us something to be wary of? There are people that around us telling us, uh, well, take this or do this. You know, the Lord must want you to have it. He's put it in your path. He's put it in your, his, his providential way has brought this. He's opened the door. You must go through that door. And David started to go through that door. And he cut off that piece of that robe. But the Lord stopped him. The Lord brought great conviction to David. And then he turned to his men and he said, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words, and he suffered them not to rise against Saul. So he calmed his people. He told them, he put the temptation down. He spoke the truth. The same thing Jesus did when the temptations came. He hit him with the word of God and he fled. And this temptation that came to David in the form of his servants, he spoke the truth to them and said, Thus saith the Lord, He has not told me this. He has told me He is my master. And they accepted that. But Saul rose up out of the cave and he went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried unto Saul, saying, My Lord the king... And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Now I tell you, what's going through David's mind is, well, we'll, not, we'll, we'll a little bit more. And David said unto Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. You've heard everybody saying that I am your enemy, Saul. The people around you are saying, I want to throw you out of the kingdom. I want to be king. I want to usurp you. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee today into my hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand. And now we get a little glimpse into what was going into David's mind at that moment. If I just show Saul that I could have took his life and I show him what mercy I had, he won't turn on me anymore. He'll love me. 
He'll see what I've done for him. So he held up this piece of the robe and he said, And I killed thee not. Now thou know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. And then David says what all of us should say when the Holy Spirit fills us, the Lord judge between me and thee. Only the Lord can judge between me and thee, Saul. Where is righteousness between me and thee? The Lord will judge. The Lord will set it forth. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. The Lord stopped him. Now, we're going to go back to our text to find out what's going through David's mind. But I want to say this. Saul's words to David would be soothing words to him. And he'd say he was shameful and he wouldn't do that ever again or whatever. And then in the next stanza we got, he's out pursuing David again. So what I'd say to that is sometimes we think we can settle things the way we want to settle them and not the way the Lord settles them. We take matters into our own hands. So he cut off a piece of the robe. But for not. For not. This was not the, the Lord's way of ending that. But nevertheless, let's go to our Psalm 57. I want to read the psalm in its entirety so you'll now know. Like I said, we'll get the answer. What is going through David's mind as he's in this cave, as his enemy's right in front of him, as the enemy to the other side of him is saying, here, the Lord's delivered him. All this stuff is going on. So what did the Lord preserve for us? Psalm 57, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. You see that? That's preserving grace. He shall send from heaven. He shall, he shall preserve me. Remember what the enemy, what, what his soldiers were saying to him? He's in your hand. God said, go take him. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. And I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue is sharp sword. That's the enemies outside of the cave. And that's the enemy inside the cave who want him to go against his Lord. It's amazing. He thinks they're friends. They are friends. They're serving him in the army. But yet, their words are contrary to the Lord's words to him. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will wake early. I will praise Thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto Thee among the nations. For Thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and Thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above the earth. As we look 
deeper at this psalm, we begin in verse 1 where the Lord says, where he cries out to the Lord for mercy. David, all through the Psalms, you see the Lord brings him to the throne, that throne of mercy, where we obtain mercy. I think of Peter's words when the Lord said, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Has that ever been made personal to you? Have you ever cried to the Lord in mercy for mercy and say, Lord, to who else will I go? You have my security. You have my peace you have you are the lord of peace you are the lord of my life where else will i go be merciful unto me O god be merciful unto me for my soul trusteth in thee yea in the shadow of thy wings in thy shadow not as a co-pilot not as god sitting right there with him and them conversing and what's better in the shadow, Lord, of thy wings, under your protective wing, safe and secure in you, will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Now, we read the account, and I can't, I can't force upon you this morning the direness of the situation. I could ask you to put yourself in that situation, what might be going through your mind, if the enemies, but, but I hate to tell you this, we're in that situation every day. Every day we struggle with the, the principalities in the air, with the, the, spirit, the evil spirits in the air. They hem us in. Our flesh hems us in. The world hems us in. Where can we go? What's open to the child of God? Who is faithful to the child of God? I wonder, as I say these words, I wonder how many times the Lord has proved that to each and every one of you in the room. But at this moment, maybe the Lord is quickening to you how many times He has brought that to you. The time the Lord delivered you here, the time the Lord called you to cry, cry out for mercy, the time the Lord answered this prayer, the time great is His faithfulness. And in that faithfulness, David's cry I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. As I said, that first, that first clause, I will cry. That shows life. It shows life. I, every day, you want to see people destitute of life? Turn on the news. Go out into the marketplace. Hear, hear the conversations of people. Listen to people warring with one another. Go and, and look at what's going on in other nations in the world. And think, where does man have to go but himself? If you're outside of Christ, you have nothing but yourself. You have nothing to rely on. Nothing that you can trust. Throughout history we've seen that in great rulers who have been ruling, ruling their nations and those below them that would betray them and sell them out. Because that's, what, that's in the heart of man. Where do we go? The Lord says, I will birth a cry in your soul. I'll bring you to that place. And, and for us to... To cry out to him, the situation has to be dire. For David saw it was dire. 
I'm in a cave. I can't get out. And if we go this way, I, now I don't know how far the men were back in the cave, but I would venture 300 people and David, you'd have to worry about sneezes or coughs or whatever it was not to betray yourself that you're in the cave. And for however long it was, however stuffy it was in there, however dark it was in there, however it was, you had to wait and wait and wait and wait. That's hard for us. The psalmist says that many times. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How do we wait? The Lord performs all things for us. The Lord is my patience. If I'm going to wait, the Lord, my patience, will be my waiting. If I'm going to love my Lord, my, my wife with Christ's love, it'll be because of Christ's love in me that He has performed in me. If I'm going to have peace in this world, it's going to be because He has performed His peace in my soul. If I'm going to live by faith, it's going to be because of the faith of the Son of God that He has performed in my soul. David had been delivered many times in his life. We've talked about a lot of those. And David fell into a lot of sins. He fell into a lot of grievous sins. And the Lord put them away. And the Lord in His great mercy forgave them. And not only that, not only did He grant forgiveness, but reconciliation. That David would keep coming back to the Lord. And keep coming back to the Lord. No matter what he did wrong. That's what the Lord teaches His children. The Lord is always there. Yes, sin. Yes, we continue to sin. And yes, it's very grievous. It's very grievous and burdening to the soul. But it's the Lord who performs all things. Escaping that burden, the carrying of that burden, the revelation of that sin being washed over with His blood, He performs all those things for us. And He births this cry in our soul to say, Lord, I will cry unto you. David said it this way in Psalm 5 too. He said, Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. You know, I have to admit, many times in my life when something goes wrong, my first resource is my logic. Or my first resource is what I've been taught my survival skills in this life that I've picked up along the way that the Lord has performed for me. It's not to go to the Lord, but it's to go to those things that I find. Someone's sick in my house? Okay, here, take this. You have this problem? Okay, I need to do this. But if this psalm is true, and if this text today is true, our remedy and our recourse and our refuge and our place of power. That's what I want you to see this morning. This is our place of power. It's the Lord who performs all things for us. I will cry. But this cry goes unto the Lord who's most high. That too is a great mercy. To be revealed that Christ 
is higher than anything else in this life. All of those pet sins that we know of in ourselves, the things that we are attracted to in this life, the things that we do on daily basis that take our mind and our, all of our following of the Lord and we indulge in those things, are those things our deliverer? Ask yourself that. May the Lord judge between you and me today. Does the Lord deliver you in those things? Does the Lord deliver you in whatever it is you turn to? Now, I can only answer for myself in the emptiness, in the vanity that life is. My answer would be no. But when the Lord turns me to Him to cry out unto my Lord, the one who's most high, you know that what that means? He's higher than me. He must increase. I must decrease. I will cry out unto God most high. Most high. And as I said earlier, not equal. Not equal with me. He's the one who's performed all things. Not in co-effort. Not in co-power. Not in joint effort. Not in, not in... No, He's done it. And that clause right there, unto God that performeth all things for me. That's all things. Whether they're temporal, whether they're the things in this life, what do you have that you have not received from God? David asked that question. David said that in front of the congregation when he was king. Lord, what is it that we have that you haven't given us? What is that answer for you and I today? What do we have that the Lord has not provided in our life? And especially, especially in the soul. Have you felt the difference in the soul? Has the Lord lifted your soul out of the pit? Has He lifted you up in His love and taught you what His love is? And how different His love is to your fickle love? Has He showed you the difference of His peace and what the world's peace is? Has He showed you that He has performed mercy in your soul? Oh Lord, You do perform all things for me. I want, I want so badly the Lord to bring us to His feet right now and to birth that cry in our soul. Lord, You do perform. Where else can we go? I'm sick, Lord. Well, I'm your healer, he says. Lord, my mind, my mind is, is wandering all the time. Well, I'll stay your mind on me. Lord, I have such unbelief. Help mine, unbe help mine unbelief. Lord, give me faith to believe. I want to say, Lord, I believe, but I can't say it without you. David said in Psalm 138, 8, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. The Lord will perfect and form that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works, listen to this, of thine own hands. See, this wasn't a one-time thing, David. David knew this throughout his life. The Lord has performed, He has perfected everything. I think about that sometimes when, when I hear a message or I'm told how much I need to obey. 
And let me tell you something. I'm not arguing with that. I really need to obey. I'm not sitting here saying I, sh I don't need to obey. Oh, but how do I look to these hands and I look to my own mind and I say, Lord, I don't find a way to perform that obedience. And the Lord says to me, I've perfected the way. It's my son. He has obeyed perfectly. And if I do obey, it's because he's performed that obedience in me. He's performed all things for me. Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, 12, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. Lord, that peace that you give us is wrought in us because you perform it for us. You've done it all, Lord. Now think about how many times in our day we've, we cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, you've done it all. How many, that, you know what that is? That's dependent. That's humble dependency upon the Lord. Humble dependency. Lord, you perform all things for me. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. See, that's ongoing work. He's faithful today. He's faithful tomorrow because he's Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul said in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, and I hope you and I are confident of it this morning. I hope we're confident of this, Lord, who, because that confidence is also His performance in our soul. We're not confident people by nature. Well, by nature we are, I'm sorry. But by His work, we can be confident in Him. We can boast of Him. Being confident of this very thing, that He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what day of Jesus Christ is? We need that day every day. Every day should be a day of Jesus Christ. A day to see Christ exalted over our flesh, over the world, over the wicked one, and over sin. Are we confident that what He's begun, He'll finish? I certainly hope so. But what you saw or what you see on the cross is what the Lord, our confidence should be in that Lord who went and laid down His life for His friends. Our last place we'll go today, if you will, turn with me over to the end of Hebrews again, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. I want to read those. This is how Paul ends this letter. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Now think about that. The God of peace. How do we have peace? We're reconciled by Christ. Through His finished work, through His death, through His resurrection, the resurrection life. That great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now, look, now here's focus here. 
This is the Lord who performs all things for me. Make you perfect in every good work. Now notice what Paul says. Now the God of peace that brought again the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you, may He make you perfect in every good work to do His will. That's how we do His will. He performs all things for us. He makes us to lie down in the green pasture. He restores our soul. He leadeth us beside still waters. He maketh us to lie down. He makes you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. That's what He works in His people. That which is well-pleasing in His sight. How will we know? We can read the Word of God and we can see on the page what is pleasing to the Lord. But as Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, how to perform it, he doesn't know how. Not in these hands. Not in this flesh which dwells. No good thing. Lord, perform these things. Perform those things that you approve of, Lord. I think every one of us in this room would desire every day to wake up and please the Lord that day. I know the Lord works that in me a lot in my prayers. Lord, what pleases you? As it pleases you, Lord. What is it that pleases you? Because I do claim ignorance. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of forks in my life where I come to that fork, I'm brought to that fork, and I don't know which way to go. I don't know which one pleases the Lord. He works in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. The one whom we can do all things when His strength is there. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now turn back to our text. Say a few more words here in this psalm before we close. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. And then look at verse 3. How he performs these things, he sends mercy and truth. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him. He shall, by the way. That's the faithfulness of the Lord who's proved himself over and over in David's life. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Yes, as he cried out for mercy, the greatest mercy that the Lord gives us is his truth. Every day, the Lord has done this. The Lord has purposed this. The Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. That's a great mercy to know Him that way, to experience Him that way. God shall send forth His mercy and His truth. But look at verse 6 as He regresses. As we're, Like I said, we, we, we read where He's been delivered from. We know the direness of the situation. And now as David sees his enemies... And this is what happens when we see our enemies. This is what comes out. When we see the enemies. When we see how strong they are. 
Because the Bible tells us that all of those enemies, and I hope you learn it early, children, that all of those enemies are stronger than you. Every one of them. The world is stronger than you. The flesh is stronger than you. Sin is stronger than you. Satan is stronger than you. But not stronger than you in Christ. Not stronger than you in Christ. He is our deliverer. And as David in this psalm, which is very short, I mean, we do have some great insight as the Lord gives it to us into what's going on in his soul. They've prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They've digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are falling themselves. David says, I know they've already fallen in that pit. They want me to come where they are. They're in the pit of despair. They're in the pit of hell. And that's the design of the enemy. They want you there with them. And that's what David says. I know that's what's in their heart. <clears throat> to take my life and my soul. That's the design of the enemy. See law. But look at verse 7. Remember? Verse 2, our text today. And, and, and I, always, I love the Psalms because in the Psalms, there's always a key to where the rest of it flows from. And this psalm, the key, is verse 2. It is the Lord who's performed all things for me. That's how He can say in verse 7, My heart is fixed. It's fixed because the Lord has fixed it upon Him. We just saw the despair in verse 6. They dig the pit. They want me in there with them. They want my soul. But my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. That means it's fixed upon Him. The Lord has stayed my thoughts and my mind upon Him. He is my deliverer. He is my salvation. He, that's what we saw in 3. He shall send from heaven His salvation. He shall. And when He does, and when He does deliver us, and when He does set us in that place to see Him, we can cry out to the Lord and say, Yes, Lord, I'm fixed upon You because of You. Because you've performed this for me. You have saved me from my mind. You have saved me from fear. You have saved me from the wicked one. And you've stayed my heart and my thoughts upon thee. And then in verse 8, we see the frailty of ourselves to stir ourselves up. And David says, Awake up, my glory. Awake up. I have so much to be thankful for and what the Lord has done, but I can't even wake myself up. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. O oh Lord, awaken me early to praise You. These are songs. Of, these are terms of praise. I want to praise You, Lord. Don't lose sight of when He wrote this. Don't lose sight of what went on in His soul. But as I said, this is afterwards. This isn't. This is after He's already been delivered. So He's looking back now and saying, Lord, You are my deliverer. Yes, I was fearful. Yes, I did have unbelief. But you never wavered. You kept me. You gave me wisdom. You delivered me. You kept me from the enemy. I will praise Thee, O Lord, among the people. 
I will sing to, unto thee among the nations. Why? Because the Lord has put joy in his heart. He's performed all things for him. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of Christ in the soul. And he performs that which is pleasing to him. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. O be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. There's no better way to end this message than that. O Lord, be thou exalted. Above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power. May you add thy clarity. May you add thy love and thy mercy. For our souls this day, O Lord, and feed us. For you truly are the one who performs all things for us. Give us that understanding, Lord, that we may walk in thee and by thee and through thee for the praise of thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.